Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another fabulous conversation on the Parenting with Impact podcast. Our guest today is Debbie Reber of Tilt Parenting, who has tilted the world on its axis when it comes to parenting interesting as kids, complex kids. I'm not sure how you reference them. How do you reference them? Differently wired is the term. And like us, Debbie is a like-minded parenting guru who's all about empowering parents to focus on yourselves in this process because it is called parenting, right? It's not called childing. It's called parenting (laughs) for a reason. So welcome, Debbie. We are so thrilled you're here. Thank you so much. I'm excited. So Debbie, why don't you start by talking a little bit about how you ended up where you are now? What What's the backstory? Yes. Yeah, so this was not my big career plan to be <laughs> running till parenting in a podcast for parents raising neurologically typical kids, but I found myself raising such a child yeah. who is now 17 right now. But I am someone who, before I did this, I, I used to write books for teenagers. I did kind of self-help books for teens. And I always found myself creating things that I needed when I was younger or trying to use my skills of writing and creating content to support people who were a little bit further behind on their journey than I was. And so... Can I just interrupt you for a second? Yes, We used to always say in coach training to every fifth grader, a sixth grader is God. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yes. So that's kind of what I'm hearing. Pretty much. Far enough ahead. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, I was doing that work when I started to learn from Asher's preschool teachers and, you know, other people that we were interacting with on a daily basis, plus noticing my own experience as a parent that, oh, this is a lot more involved in a different path than I was expecting. And also seems to be a little more challenging than all of my friends uh, <laughs> and what they're going through with their kids. So I really struggled. And, and one of my best friends, I remember said to me at the time, she's a, an educator. And she said, Debbie, I think that parenting Asher is a lot more a part of your life's work than you even realize. And I, mm. I was like, mm, I'm doing this other thing. It's going really well. Um, but I think that planted a seed that at some point I was going to have to do that pivot and take my, again, my content creating skills, my, my writing, my ability to kind of look at a lot of resources and distill it down. And I, and I wanted to support other parents in the same space. I I was going to say the word that came to me was synthesize. Yeah. Like that capacity to see what's going on and to synthesize it and bring it all together and make it make sense 
in a way mm-hmm. that people can can really understand. I think that's again why you know we love collaborating with you because there's so much synergy in, yes. in the work that we all do. Yeah. So at some point you you moved into writing about the experience of parenting a complex kid. Yeah, I really wanted to just more than anything, I wanted to create kind of a a home online where parents could feel like they're not alone, could <laughs> could land somewhere where they also didn't feel like there's something wrong with my child. Because at the time that I started developing Tilt Parenting, so much of what existed did give that message. It was, you know, pathologizing difference and it just felt icky. I was like, I do not want, this is not where I want to go. I want to go to the cool place. I, I want to create something where parents can, can opt in and realize all right, I found my people. And this is actually a really great group of of families to be a part of. So, um, and no judgment and to do that without judgment and shame, but just like, here's where we are. Isn't this interesting? This isn't what I expected. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. So that was really what got me thinking about developing Tilt. And I I launched it as a podcast primarily and an online resource in 2016. And then my book, Differently Wired, came out two years later. And I'm still doing the podcast. I still love doing that work. And it's really done what I hoped it would do in terms of helping parents see their experience reflected and connect with other parents who really get what they're going through. I love that. Yeah. So let's let's morph into that a little bit, Debbie. What are some of the themes? What are some of the key things that you see that parents are either longing for or missing in this process when they get to you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think more than anything that parents feel like they're an island, right? They're the only one who has had their child unceremoniously kicked out of school, or they're the only ones in their community (laughs) whose kid isn't getting invited to the right parties or or whatever. And it's that sense of of failed scissors at at age three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Failed scissors. Um, Yeah. So I think it is that that is something that people feel like no one else really gets what they're going through and how things are hard. They feel like they themselves have failed, right? You know, they're like, I'm reading the same books and I'm getting a much different result. I must be a bad parent. And then also just like not knowing where to turn because Mm -hmm. there's no path for us to move forward. So a few things come up for me in that one so let's go with that last piece. There's no path for us. And mm-hmm. in what we've noticed is part of the problem is that when parents are struggling with these issues, the medical community isn't really guiding them to get the support they need. So mm-hmm. is, do you have a similar experience or is it? Yeah. I mean, oftentimes pediatricians, if they're not a developmental pediatrician, they don't even know where to reference, you know, or, you know, where to send you a parent who's new on this path. Um, There are kind of like the default stops along the way that do tend to be pathologizing. And so I get a lot of parents who with new diagnoses for their kids who are using this language that's and and going down a behavioral therapy path and doing all of these things, because that's what they're told to do when they have no idea. And so they come and they, and then there's this whole big learning process happens and it can be really hard because it's bucking against almost a system that we don't even realize is flawed and not knowing where to turn, who to trust, where to get your information from. And a lot of it is just trying to find trusted resources and then following the advice of parents who are further ahead on the journey. Yeah. I, it's totally about bucking the system in my mind. I, you know, when Diane and I first met, and started talking about what we wanted to do for parents and for families, it was changing the medical model. 
right? It was shifting that framework to one that's more empowering, that helps parents see what these kids are capable of Mm -hmm. instead of only seeing what the problems are. Well, I'm going to take that. Oh, go ahead, Debbie. Well, I was just going to say that I think that for me, my own journey, I spent years, you know, trying to find the right fit and, Mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better word, trying to fix, you know, what was wrong so that we could get back on the path I wanted to be on the vision I wanted. And that I... I don't regret that it, it, I did was doing what I thought was, was right at the time, but it, it was painful to do. And it wasn't respectful of who my child is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm going to go backwards a second, because you use that term kind of behavior therapy. And I know that that's one of the things that we've done a lot of research with parents to see what are the barriers to getting support. And one of the big things is that kind of a definition of what, what does it really even mean behavior therapy? And that's why we, you know, we created sanity school as a way to teach parents the behavior skills that they need to help their kids to begin to manage the behavior changes that they want to change. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's this sort of, there's so much misinformation out there. There's, there's this sort of, you know, I love the Island kind of analogy that you gave, but it's sort of, how do we connect parents together and get them the information that they need at a time that they need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that is, well, that's why we do it. We all do what we do, right? That's it's right. Um, the more that we can be getting these resources out there, the hopefully the, the shorter that journey of like getting from point A to point B will be. So what do you want parents of, of these quirky, complex, atypical, differently wired kids? What do you want their parents to understand better about their kids? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, children are exactly who they are supposed to be. You know, that's the biggest thing that there, there's nothing wrong with them. And, you know, I really hope that parents can shift their own thinking to tilt, if you will, to tilt their own thinking so that they recognize that there's nothing wrong with their children, that it is society that has the work to do here in terms of being more, not just aware, but accepting of and accommodating of different ways of showing up and different ways of learning and processing information and experiencing the world. And so many of us, again, spend so much time kind of trying to get our kids to change to fit in. And really, when our kids can actually lean into their strengths, and rather than, you know, we don't pay attention to those, because we're so focused on the deficits. But if we really lean into the strengths and grow those, and society recognizes those strengths and the gifts that come with that, that is when we can have the best possible outcomes, not just for our kids, but I mean, this sounds grandiose, but for the world, because these... (laughs) You know, humans have such incredible ways of looking at the world and creative problem solving skills and just what we need really to kind of solve the the problems of the world right now. Well, and what I like about what you said was this sort of, yes, we're focused on society and society needs to adapt. And one way to do that is to do it one parent at a time and Mm -hmm. one family at a time. And what, you know, and, and I think that that's, there's this bigger question that I often sit with, which is this sort of. How do we tackle that big society thing or the fact that our schools are not really designed to allow these kids to kind of fit the way that they fit? You know, there's not an easy answer there. I wish there was. But, mm-hmm. you know, are there things that you guys are approaching right now and, and ways that you're talking about it that you feel like you are getting more at the systemic components of it? I mean, I definitely feel like even in the past five and a half years since I've launched Tilt, that there's just been a deeper understanding of 
learning disabilities or twice exceptionality, for example, that is more common language and more educators are learning about that so they can recognize it and support those kids in the classroom. So I do feel like the shift is happening, but I also feel like every parent who learns from people like us and who makes that shift and who advocates for their child in a way that like paves the path for the next kid in that classroom. So I feel it is on an individual level, but I feel like the trickle-down effect of one parent who gets a school to better understand, you know, what this actually looks like or what this child needs is then going to make it easier for every child that follows. So it's, it's hard, arduous work, but there's so many of us doing work in this space right now. I get so excited when I interview just incredible people who are building micro schools and doing this such important work that I do feel this kind of um, sense of momentum, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's exactly the word I was just thinking is there's this momentum, like there's this shift. And part of what I think we've been witnessing from a societal perspective, not just in in our country, but around the globe, is that there's this huge wave of progress happening and this other wave of anti-progress, for lack of a better word, that's really trying, because it's there's a lot of progress happening quickly. It's hard to be with it, mm-hmm. right? It's so there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable. It's like, stop, just slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there is this wave of movement mm-hmm. saying that's about accepting people for who they are. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, we've seen so much shift in the world of autism in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Gender identity. I mean, like it's what we're seeing right now. You're right. And I think there is going to be, and there is currently a backlash against a lot of this progress yep. as well, but this generation, <laughs> they're, Incredible. They are incredible. I often say, because you know, I have three young adults now, they are beautifully, wonderfully intolerant. Yeah. People's <laughs> intolerance. Yeah. Right. Yes. They are fully accepting of all people except for those who don't accept all people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which That's is kind exactly of an right. irony in itself. It is definitely but, an irony. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. So that gives me hope too. And, you know, all the work that we're doing, right, to destigmatize neural differences and to, to, and for us to do our own work so that our kids don't grow up feeling shame about, you know, a learning difference they might have or a label that is associated with them, you know, for them to then emerge as adults more owning that and then advocating for themselves in the workplace, like it's, it's happening, like we're kind of, um, we're coming at this from all different angles. So I do feel like it's inevitable that this kind of paradigm shift will happen. Yeah, I like to see it as kind of like a spiraling forward, Mm, right? mm -hmm. It's not a straight line, but there's, there's definitely a movement. So what I want to ask is to make what you just said real, because one of the things you said to us earlier was about parents doing their own deep work. Mm -hmm. And you just said, alluded to something about parents doing their work. So what's the work for parents to do? Yeah, I mean, I think... And to borrow the phrase from uh, Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel, you know, of, of showing up, the power of showing up, I think, you know, really committing to showing up as our best selves for ourselves and for our kids is kind of the big work that that we do. And that is complicated in that it requires us to be intentional in the way that we move through the world. It requires, it requires us to have a growth mindset, to be uh, lifelong learners, to always be noticing and paying attention and 
striving to do to do better. It requires leaning into the discomfort. It requires mm-hmm. being super vulnerable. It requ- you know, so it all of these things can feel uncomfortable, especially if you are, you know, from our generation where this was not, I don't know about you, but this was not the way I was parented. Right. Mm -hmm. And there were no apologies, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, (laughs) there was no like, well, I wish I had handled that better. So I think it requires kind of, you know, unpacking some of our own stuff that that we experience as kids, um, these beliefs that we've had in place are just like are on default mode for how we we move through the world and what it means to parent and then leaning in and just committing to doing that work every day. And it is, mm-hmm. and we, some days we don't do a very good job of it. And then we start over again the next day, but it just, it's that constant showing up, constant leaning in. Well, and you're not saying this, but I know that you're saying this in between the lines is this sort of if that feels like work, and I know a lot of our parents are exhausted and beleaguered and they're already challenged. And so to say, lean in and try and work harder, it's not really, I mean, there's also an ask. Yeah. We're not trying to make it harder for you, but there's an aspect to what you just said, which is this sort of, you just keep moving it forward. You know, if, even if it's a little baby step, or even if it's just, let's start over tomorrow, let's try again tomorrow. It's this sort of conscious effort versus unconscious, just kind of letting it happen is kind of what I'm getting. Is that fair? It, yeah, I would say it's it's a surrendering to what is, right? As yeah. opposed to fighting. And yeah. so it sounds like it might be more work, but it's actually so much easier than fighting what is actually it's li- happening. It's liberating, actually. Yeah, it really? totally is. It's liberating and it helps our relationship and connection with our kids, which is the most important thing of all of this that we're doing, right? Yeah, I've started to say this year in 2021 that our relationship with our kids is our insurance policy for their lives and our long-term mm-hmm. connection with them. Like mm-hmm. the more we build with them now, like, and I'm talking, this is for parents of all age kids, even young adults. Mm-hmm. And when they're still in your home, like if you can really lean into that relationship, that's going to set the stage for what happens in their 20s when you want them to come to you because something's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? That's your insurance policy. Yeah, absolutely. It's everything. I mean, really connection with our kids is and them feeling safe and secure with us and yeah, and seen for who they are. That is if we can do that that we've won. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit more about liberating though because because Diane's point is is real. Like parents are beat. Mm-hmm. We're drained especially after, you know, almost two years of a pandemic by this mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. So how does doing the work actually lighten your load? Well, the word that came up when you were talking about that is control. So I think many of us are trying to control everything. We're trying to control how our kids do in school, their social lives, you know, what our vacations look like, what everything looks like. What, you know, a lot of us are because when you're raising a child who is moving through the world differently, none of it looks like we expect it, right? So we're always trying to control and get, and get it back. So the liberating part is recognizing I actually can't control this human. They are on their own path. The only thing I can tr- control is how I, I'm going to feel about this and, and how I'm going to show up to this. And so just giving yourself permission to let go of that tight grasp is very freeing and it is very liberating. It does feel again uncomfortable because it's not how we're used to 
being, especially, you know, if you're a career person, you know, you're used to being successful or you're a type A personality and you're just like to just do things. It can feel very strange, but ultimately we can't control the outcome. No parent can for any of their children. All we can do is set the intention and and show up and be a coach and a guide and, you know, hold on for dear life, for the roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah, hang on. Well, and I'm going to kind of go back to what you just said and reiterate that, you know, control is a coping mechanism. And when Mm -hmm. we're as overwhelmed as we are as humans right now, you know, you're either going to have the tendency to like tighten in and like, I got to make sure everything's like just buttoned up, which is what you're describing, or you're going to like run away. And so I Mm -hmm. see an equal number of parents kind of going to that place. And if you're able to say, wow, I'm, I'm buckling down because I am overwhelmed. Wait, what do I need to do to kind of calm down, which will let me let off the grips Mm -hmm. of the control, you know? So there's that extra step that we might need to do to recognize that there's something going on in us. that's making it hard for us to let go of the the tightness and the control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always say you can't control what happens, but you can control how you respond yes. to what happens. And yes. that's, that's the shift. That's your tilt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's how are we responding? Yeah. And it's also what we want our kids to know. We want to model that for our children because that's life, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, watching, and I know we need to start wrapping this part of the conversation up, but I'm thinking about watching young adults as they went through processes like college application processes or, be, you know, watching my kids moving into adulthood. They get this message from the world that they're supposed to know how to adult, mm-hmm. right? And that mm-hmm. it's supposed to, they're supposed to somehow make it magically. <laughs> and when we make, when we as parents, don't show them all of the complexity of it. We're actually not giving them an honest picture of what life is going to be for them. We're mm-hmm. not really preparing them. Yeah. It's interesting as uh, you know, I have a 17 year old now and we got a checking a high school checking account a few weeks ago. And we, you know, my goal is to make sure that he doesn't go to university and get a credit card and go into, you know, debt instantly like I did. Yeah. And it is interesting because I think there are so many things that I'm recognizing now. I'm like, oh, I actually never learned how to do this. I just figured this out a couple of years ago. Um, but this might be helpful information for my earlier. My, kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I pissed so, off a friend in, out after college because I called to say, can you help me? I don't know how to clean my house. And she was offended. <laughs> I was like, but I really never learned how to clean yeah. my house. Like, help. We're not born knowing this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Debbie, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or something else that you hope parents will take away before we start to wrap up? Well, and let's also ask how can they get, oh, in, touch how to get in touch with you? Yeah. yeah. First. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you again for inviting me to have this conversation. I would say, you know, just in terms of the the thought, the last thing, I think, you know, Again, so many parents come to me early on in their journey and there's a lot of panic. And I I guess I would just say, don't panic. Um, Take some breaths. You have plenty of time to figure this out. And um, sometimes doing nothing, but just kind of sitting with it and processing is better than signing up for like 10 different therapies and like diving, diving all in. And just notice if you're in that fix it mindset. Um, trying to fix that our kids are not broken and that's not really our job to fix them. So that, right. that's my thought. And then, yeah, yeah. people want to check out my work. My website is tiltparenting.com. And if you're curious to, you know, you can find tons how many podcast episodes now, 260 plus. Um, so a big uh, library. And if you want to kind of 
dip your toe in, in, in the waters of what I do. I have a free seven day challenge where every day you'll get a little video and just something to think about a little reframe to think about each day. And that is at tiltparenting.com slash seven day. Awesome. Tiltparenting.com slash seven day. That's great. Um, so, and I love that message that our kids are not broken. You know, we, we have a m- number of avatars in our community. You know, there's lost Lois and maxed out Maxine and Sue, the super mom. And one of them is Fran, the fix it mom. Mm. Right. And yeah. both of us played, tried to play Fran. It sounds like all three of us tried to play Fran for, for a lot of time. years yeah. before yeah. we realized it was not going to be the way to go. Yeah. I feel like I'm all of those avatars in a little you, way. We yeah. are all, all <laughs> well, of we those are. and many more. There's now yeah. in the book, there's like, I don't know, 12 or 15 of them or something. Yeah. Um, final wrap up. Do you have a favorite quote or motto you'd like to share with us? I do. Um, I have a quote and I actually, I, I should have pulled it out. I have it on postcards and I have it on like a little uh, ceramic dish in my bedroom. Um, it is from Neil Donald Walsh, who he wrote the book Conversations with God years ago. I never even read, I read like the first <laughs> chapter, but this <laughs> quote stuck out to me. And the quote is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I just feel that is true. That has been my experience and throughout my entire life, but especially when you're raising a differently wired kid, it is super, as we've been talking about this whole conversation, it's super uncomfortable. And, but that is where the good stuff is. So if we can like lean into the discomfort and be open and curious about what, what exists there, it can be such an incredible um, way to go through life. That just gave me chills, Debbie. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank I, you. I, I, I too. And I love that quote. And it's hard, right? And yes. what are we here for? It's interesting. It's, it's a whole lot more interesting hard. than, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I will say too, like, I'm still in it. You know, we're all in it. It's not like it gets easier. We have all the answers, but, and it is very hard, but it is still the best possible journey. I'm, I'm so grateful for it every day. Awesome. I often see that sometimes life has, there are people who are growers and people who are status quoers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, and maybe it's my ADD wiring or something else, but, you know, status quo can get awfully boring. Yeah. And, you know, who needs it, getting past that comfort zone <laughs> is always interesting. <laughs> yes. Just when you think you've mastered it, something right. else comes something up. Something else yeah. shows up, right? Totally. Yeah. All right. So Debbie, thank you. Tilt Parenting. Glad to have you with us today. Elaine, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, just again, Debbie, thank you for being with us and for the work that you're doing. You're really making a difference and for a long time, like really shifting the dynamic. And it's all about, we often say that transformation happens incrementally. Mm -hmm. And so it's these little incremental changes, one parent at a time, one insight at a time that really have this profound transformational impact. So thanks for what you're doing. And to those of you listening, thank you for being here. Thank you for your work, for what you're doing for yourselves and your family. It makes a difference. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.